Hi, and welcome to Maritime Matters. My name is Captain Morgan DeWicke. I'm excited to have with me today Jack Gordon. Jack is a graduate of the Tabor Academy and is a current student at Cal Berkeley. He has produced three documentaries thus far, uh, sort of a hobby, hoping he gets into it as a profession because he does such an amazing job. The first documentary was A Century of Tabor Rowing, which he started as a senior at Tabor and finished uh, as a freshman at Cal Berkeley. And that documentary highlighted the history of the Tabor Academy rowing program. The second documentary, The Ocean Knows No Borders, he produced while at Cal. And The Ocean Knows No Borders, as some of our listeners know, highlights the life of Anofo Havea, a captain, a female captain from the Kingdom of Tonga and the first commercially licensed captain in Polynesia. And lastly, he recently released his third documentary called Celestial, uh, which documents the Tabor Boys' journey uh, during the Marion to Bermuda race in which they, will say, whomped uh, the spirit of Bermuda and also participated in the uh, Celestial uh, class. So, um, or I should say um, Celestial Navigation class. So, Jack, uh, thanks for joining us and excited to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I want to get started talking to you about um, what got you into producing documentaries, um, sort of what inspired you to do that first Tabor rowing documentary. Um, I know I was excited when you did that as a fellow Tabor rower myself uh, and one of your teammates. So if you could tell us a bit about how that project uh, came about, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. I... I've always really been interested in cameras and, and playing around with cameras that started with just whatever we had in the house when I was a kid and evolved into GoPros a little later on. And then eventually I had the opportunity. I really wanted to make a documentary about the Tabor rowing program. I'm not sure exactly when that started, but I think it was pretty early in my Tabor career because I understood what a fascinating history it was and just how much there was to talk about and, and how many people that story was important to. So I had the opportunity, I had the uh, resources to make that happen my senior year. And that became a project that was a lot bigger than I envisioned it and became a uh, just over an hour long film about the whole program. And I finished that up pretty much two years later. So that was my step into it. And it's sort of just been going from there. Awesome. Yeah, the Tabor rowing program uh, has a lot of prestige to it. Uh, it's won Henley a number of times. Um, and we actually have a room at the Leander Club, which is an exclusive rowing club, a very historic club uh, in England. And so I think it, it's the program um, has a lot of weight to it. And as a Tabor rower and a fellow Tabor rower, um, we kind of understand that uh, there's sort of a chip on your shoulder and an expectation to sort of hold yourself to a certain standard, uh, whether that be in rowing or outside of rowing. So um, tell us a little bit about that experience of creating that first documentary. Uh, lessons learned. Was there equipment you used that you said, okay, I'm not using equipment like this again? Um, what was it like going through that whole process? Yeah, I mean, for me, that was a huge step up in my filmmaking. Before that, I'd only really made films with GoPros and, and sort of more hype video style yep. films. So that was a huge jump. Uh, more sophisticated cameras, cameras that I know now I didn't really fully know how to use and, and microphone setups that I didn't fully 
understand and really it was a big jump but for me it, that was huge it gave me the resources to just really experiment and and have that opportunity and it really is reflected in what I've been able to do since that the ability to have those resources at that time as a senior in high school and to have the audience to show off my film and and to experiment I made a lot of mistakes on that I look back and I just can't knowing what I know now I can't believe I set up the camera in this way or yep. didn't leave the camera rolling for that or set up the microphone this way and that uh so I ran into a lot of problems in my process, but I think those ultimately had a huge influence on my ability to keep improving and to uh, make a lot higher quality films today. Yeah, yeah. So with The Ocean Knows No Borders, uh, you get into sort of a storytelling mode and documentary and Captain Anofo's life. Um, what is it about documentaries that speaks to you in particular? Is it that storytelling piece and sort of getting to connect with people on a personal level? Yeah, I think it's a few things. One, I've always liked films, even like Hollywood uh, fiction films that that are based on a true story. I think there's something about a true story that really okay. resonates with you more than maybe a, a, a fiction film might. So I've always liked that, and I've always thought telling true stories, real stories is important and just valuable in general. So I think being able to connect with people on that level and say this is not just something that someone conceived of in their head it's something that is real this person is out there and they're making a difference and I think having the opportunity for me to meet those kind of people like Anofo and is is a really awesome experience so it's part being able to tell those stories but it also gives me a lot of cool life experiences uh, that I wouldn't be able to have otherwise and, and to be able to really see the people and the experiences out there that make the world and make life so interesting so yep Without documentary for me personally, I would never have been swimming with whales or meet someone like Anofo or, or see the country of Tonga or be able to meet all the people I did through the history of Tabor Rowing that I got to meet, people who were, you know, just had incredible life experiences that I just couldn't have, could have never imagined. Yep. So I'm a little jealous because I haven't been to Tonga yet. What was it like swimming with the whales? Um what was it like traveling and, and getting to experience that place? And does it make you want to continue pursuing sort of maritime or ocean subjects uh, in your future work? Yeah, it was pretty incredible. I think the trip was pretty interesting because I was with the DeWicke family and just sort of tagging along. And, you know, to be completely honest, it was a very new and interesting experience just because, you know, they were all family, and even with the NOFO that she had been living with the DeWicke family. So there was that close bond and I was just sort of tagging along. So it was a little bit of a weird element to that, but it was a lot of fun, you know, uh, one new thing after another, going to a new country, traveling, you know, hours, even days to, to get there. And then the experience of swimming with the whales, I think from a filmmaker's perspective, that was really interesting because I didn't really know what to expect and how to film that. Right. It was sort of caught in the middle between, oh my God, I'm swimming with the whales and wow, like, I, I need to film this. Like, I need to take <laughs> myself out of it a little bit. Yep. So I think going back and looking at the footage, you see that reflected, that sort of dilemma in the footage I'm able to take and that sort of uh, 
manifested itself in how I was putting the film together. But right. yeah, it was, it was a phenomenal experience and uh, definitely on, on your second point about making films about maritime and uh, just nautical subjects in general, I think people who see the films that I've done, sometimes those who maybe don't know me as well will know like, oh, wow, they're all about the water. And I, I think it's true. You know, there are three about three different elements of the water and the ocean and um, boats. But I think that makes it pretty clear that I think that's something that's both been important in my life in a lot of different ways. And it's also something that's really interesting. I think the ocean is an infinite uh, expanse of interesting stories and interesting things to cover. So my film certainly won't be limited to that, but I'm sure it will be a continuing theme going forward. I agree. I think there's plenty of subjects to pursue. So I'm excited to see what you come up with in the future. Uh, so your third documentary, Celestial, which I actually watched during the, uh, the live stream, the live premiere. So that was fun. Yeah. Um, and congratulations because it turned out amazing. Uh, so that documented um, the Tabor Boys journey on the Marion to Bermuda race. Uh, this past summer. And again, they whomped um, Spirit of Bermuda, which is a fast, fast boat. So that was pretty exciting and pretty incredible. Um, what was it like being in that environment, being on board the vessel, um, sort of sharing that moment with people you knew and sharing that moment with other um, people in the Tabor community? Yeah, it was a little, it was a very interesting experience for a lot of different reasons. First being you know, I'd been on the Tabor Boy before. I'd been offshore on the Tabor Boy before, so that wasn't particularly new, but filming it was very interesting. The fast-paced environment, especially at the start of the race, people were running around. My job is to capture everything while staying out of the way, and I think it turned out pretty well in that respect, And but it's, a, it's really exciting because it's a small environment, and I feel like you see that in the film, and just working with the environment with specifically with audio i think for filmmakers you know that wind can be your greatest nightmare in terms of right. capturing the audio that you need and and on a sailboat it's all wind so the logistics of it were really difficult and on top of that i didn't quite have my sea legs at the time and so for the first few days i was pretty deeply seasick and that really limited my ability to move around and to uh film but once that sort of subsided and I was able to capture, I mean, it was amazing. It's so many amazing stories that I can tell about the experiences of filming offshore and filming in that limited constrained environment. Um, just really, really cool experience. And uh, on the point of being with people that I'd known, you know, I'd, again, I'd been on the Tabor boy. I'd been a Tabor student. It's been a few years now, but a lot of people that I knew, um, but not particularly well at that point. So it was really cool to connect with those people. And, you know, they're a little bit younger than me, but still having that bond. And I think it's part of that experience as a filmmaker that with the subjects I've done so far, they've been typically people I know or, or subjects that I have some personal relation to. And I think as a filmmaker in that respect, and I, I think a lot of people who are filmmakers, documentary specifically, will find themselves in this position of trying to experience it yourself and experience what you're doing, whether it's the whales or the journey on the Tabor boy, um, but doing it and trying to disconnect yourself from it and, and really get that outside perspective while keeping the intimacy 
um, not letting yourself get drawn away from what you're really trying to accomplish. So it's a really cool experience and, and being in such a small environment brings a lot of those things together that make uh, documentary filmmaking difficult. Yeah. So I'm pretty good friends with you. I know you well. Uh, I know you as a rower, but can you describe sort of your upbringing and your closeness to the ocean outside of rowing and, and um, what got you into these subject matters and why it matters so much to you? Yeah, so I grew up in Marion, Massachusetts. For those of you who don't know, it's nearby uh, Fairhaven and Northeast Maritime, but it's a it's right on the water. Most of the town is right on the water, and so I've always grown up around boats and around the ocean in all those respects. And then I went to Tabor Academy, which is known as the School by the Sea, which just reinforced that between the Tabor Boy and the rowing team, which I was very involved with and, and just everything else. It was, the ocean's just become so key to who I am and, and how I've lived my life um, and how I've experienced my life. So uh, it, it's sort of natural that, A, that I would be interested in telling stories of the ocean and B, that I would have the connections and the, and the stories around me that I would be able to, um, find and ultimately tell. Are there any subjects that have come forth that you said, wow, I'd really like to do a documentary on that? Um, I know obviously the world is plagued by climate change right now. So I think there's plenty of subject um, matters on that. Um, is there anything in particular, because you like this sort of storytelling aspect so much that stood out to you that you hope to pursue? Yeah, I mean, there's all the big subjects that I think are so fascinating. I do think that a lot of times the most uh, kind of touching documentaries, the most uh, the ones that stick with you are ones that focus on individual subjects or smaller subjects. I think there's a lot out there and, and people's main conception of documentaries is the, you know, the Ken Burns or the, uh, you know, general PBS ones that a little bigger scope. And I think it's interesting when you pull it down to a intimate level when you're talking about one person or a, a smaller subject that speaks to a bigger subject. I think that's what's really interesting about um, Anofo. She's an amazing person, but her story reflects on climate change, on the experiences of uh, Polynesian people and Polynesian women in particular, and women in maritime. Yep. So on that note of subjects in the future, there's things that I bounce around, but I just really try to look out and everywhere around me see, oh, wow, that would make a really cool story or that person deserves, you know, the, the quote documentary treatment. Right. Um, so there's nothing in particular. I always have some ideas bouncing around my head, but it's just sort of looking for that next story and wherever that may be. But I think in terms of what that the scope of it may be, I think at least for now, I love the idea of keeping it into single organizations, single people, and, and using that to reflect on bigger ideas. Awesome. So how much time left do you have at Cal? And um, do you have any sort of plans to pursue this uh, full time after graduation? Yeah, so I have one year left. I'll be a senior next year, just finished up my junior year. So getting to that point, like you said, of, about what comes next. And I do think documentary filmmaking and and that sort of thing is what I want to keep doing. My studies have sort of allowed me to 
pursue a lot of different subjects that sort of can all tie into that. But I think telling those real stories in whatever way they come and in whatever capacity I can do that, whether it's on my own or with another organization or company, I think that's what I want to keep doing. And I'm really excited about what opportunities that affords me once I emerge into the quote unquote real world. <laughs> well, I think they've only gotten better with time, right? And it's, as you stated, you've learned so many new things and it, it comes down to little things like even just the equipment you're using. Um, so that talking about the Tabor Boy documentary, when you did have to sort of capture the audio, how did you do it? How did you cut out the wind? Um, I think I'm honestly personally interested. Um, you know, when I'm sailing, I'm filming with an iPhone here and there, but how did you do it? Yeah, it's a combination of things. One is trying to position the microphone in a place that maybe doesn't capture as much wind, whether that's putting yourself behind the deck house on the boat to get a little blockade there. Uh, putting the microphone lower to the ground will, will again, help it block. Um, I had uh, what's called a dead cat on it, which just looks like a, it looks like a furry thing mm -hmm. on the microphone that helps um, dampen down the noise a little bit. I had one microphone that was used for a few specific scenes, not much, that had a, a really big casing on it that helped uh, block out the noise. But a lot of it ultimately happened in the, um, in the editing, in the sound mixing. I had the great team at uh, Berkeley Sound Artists work on the film. They worked on The Ocean Knows No Borders as well. And they really, you know, can do wonders in terms of cleaning it up and, and getting rid of that. But, you know, one thing we talked about, because when you work through the sound mixing and, and sound editing process on a film, there's a lot of decisions that are made in terms of what you keep, what you don't, what how loud something is, how quiet it is. And to a certain extent, we wanted to keep the, the noise or the wind because to a certain extent, A, it's realistic. That's mm -hmm. what happens on a boat. But B, it is sort of, it, it keeps the intensity to it a little bit. When you have the start and the wind's blowing at you know, just very quickly and you can just see it flapping the sails around and it's really intense, I think feeling that wind noise adds something at times. So it's sort of a balance, but there are, you know, you, you just spoke about the fact that new technology can give me new opportunities in terms of how my filmmaking is produced. And I, I think having that extra equipment that allows me a little more up, uh, flexibility in how I capture the audio and how I um, process it afterward is huge. Yeah. At the start of the race, did you have people helping you film or were you sort of on your own? For those who don't know, uh, the start of a, a sailing race is very hectic and it actually gets hyper dangerous when you get into these larger vessels. Um, so of course, uh, people are running around, there's a lot going on. What was that experience like? And did you have somebody helping you out? Yeah, so it was a completely solo affair. I had a, a Ronin gimbal, which for those of you who don't know, probably most of you, it's a handheld gimbal uh, that just puts the camera and steadies it so I can move around and it keeps the camera steady no, no matter how much the boat's moving, no matter how much I'm moving. That was critical. You see the scenes, there's a lot of sweeping shots, there's a lot of shots where I'm moving a lot and the camera is still. So that makes for some really cool cinematic moments, but it also uh, allows me to do a one-man gig in that respect. So, it, you know, it was certainly dangerous, but the, the whole crew knew what I was doing. 
they knew how I was going to be doing it. And they were, you know, looking out for me as I was looking out for them. So I sort of had an idea of the process as it was going down. And in particular, Chip Connard, who was the executive officer of the crew, he was looking out for me. And I can remember one time when I was standing somewhere trying to get a shot and he was like, you got to move because you're about to be hit by a line that's not going <laughs> to not going to treat you well. So, yeah, um, yeah, it was definitely hectic, definitely dangerous, but it turned into some my personal favorite shots of the film were in that particular moment where it was just hectic and you can feel that in the film, but it's all you know, it's not in the way. It's just you, you can feel intimate while not feeling uh, in danger in that moment. I think makes it pretty yeah, interesting for the viewer. So how is the experience of sailing on uh, Tabor Boy? Um, for those who don't know, Tabor Boy is a 114-foot-long uh, Dutch pilot schooner um, that is owned by the Tabor Academy and serves as a sail training vessel. Uh, what is that experience like going to high school and getting to sail on um, a large schooner like this? And, and tell us about your experiences offshore uh, prior to the documentary and what that was like in sort of that uh, environment as a student. Yeah, so I, I'll admit I, I was pretty lucky to be able to sail on the Tabor Boy as much as I did because I was never a member of the crew. And for those of you who went to Tabor or are familiar with it, you don't really, many people who aren't on the crew never get a chance to even step foot on the Tabor Boy. So I was lucky enough to be invited to an offshore trip to Maine um, after my freshman year. And then Cap Guile was a very um, uh, welcoming to me to do this documentary and to sail on the Tabor Boy a second time, which, you know, two offshore trips for anyone, even on the crew uh, at Tabor is, is a pretty special thing. So I was really fortunate to do that. And it's an incredible experience. I mean, if you haven't been on a tall ship, a, a big schooner like that, it is a really one-of-a-kind experience just being able to sail such a big boat and the places you're able to go on it and it's just it's an amazing experience especially when you get to where you're going you're offshore for a couple of days and then all of a sudden you're up aloft on the um up on the mass and you see Bermuda through the binoculars and it's just it, offshore sailing it's just an incredible experience and to be able to do that on the Tabor Boy with people that I knew and and went to school with was really remarkable so comparing that first trip up to maine to the trip down to bermuda um did you feel aside from the it being a hectic environment needing to film everything needing to be um did you feel a strong connection with the boat did you feel a strong connection with being on the water and and what was that experience like the difference between going up to maine and going down to bermuda yeah, I mean, it was definitely different in the respect that I really tried to distance myself. We talked about earlier about taking yourself out of things. So everyone was on a a watch, which is a, sh a particular shift that everyone rotates throughout the day and because the boats go in 24 hours. So I really tried to distance myself from the regular rhythm of things, which made a very different connection. On the first one I was on, a shift I was working as it you know working the sails working everything steering the boat you know all, all the things that you do as a member of the crew in this instance I wasn't I, I really tried to put myself back and, and just do the filming which made for a very different experience of how I connected with the boat but you know 
I think anyone who tells you who who goes offshore will tell you that the the connection that you get to the boat during that trip is just really remarkable. Just how you how you feel in that moment when you're offshore and there's no one around and it's middle of the night and it's just you and and the boat. It's hard to describe, but for those of you who might ever have that opportunity, take it at its, at your first chance because you will not regret it. Even if you have seasickness or whatever else. I think one of my favorite moments on Tabor boy, I actually got to do an offshore trip as well up to Maine and um, just sailing at night, seeing all the stars, seeing the moon, and then you get this bioluminescence. And because the hull of Tabor Boy is black, it, it looks even more pronounced and prominent. And so you get these, this blue bioluminescence off the bow of Tabor Boy. And I think it's one of my favorite moments sailing ever. Um, and this uh, was up off uh, the Massachusetts Bay. And um, you really, you can't put yourself in somebody else's shoes. You got to go experience it yourself. Um, so I guess we both would encourage anybody who gets the chance, go sail on a tall ship and even try and do it offshore if you can, because it, it really is a unique experience. So I guess we'll wrap this up. I appreciate you taking the time and, um, for uh, a description on Jack's three documentaries, please check out the description of the video. Um, I'm hoping he helps us produce some more documentaries in the future here at Northeast Maritime. I think the uh, Ocean Knows No Borders turned out amazing, and it was exciting to sort of lift up Anofo and tell her story and inspire uh, women in maritime and, and others. So uh, thanks for all your work, and keep up the great work. So we'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye, Jack. Bye.